May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts bring us closer to you, Lord God. Amen. A holiday weekend always seems like a good time for a story. So I thought I would start my sermon this morning with a shared story, one common to us all from our Christian tradition. The story comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17. Paul has been traveling throughout Greece, spreading the word of Christianity. And at each stop in the Grecian cities, there's a familiar pattern. He teaches in a local synagogue. Authorities find his message very politically threatening. And his followers whisk him off to safety in another city. When Paul comes to Athens, this pattern changes just a little. He's touring all around Athens, and he's upset because he sees that the city is flooded with idols. Philosophers of the day, they accuse him of preaching about foreign gods, and they take him into custody. As they question him, here's what he says to them. I can totally see that you are a really devout and religious people because I've been touring around. I see all of your altars. I even saw one that's to an unknown God. Well, Paul says, what you worship as an unknown God, I now proclaim to you. A God that's more than you ever could have imagined. A God who's not about gold or silver or made in stone, but a God who came in the flesh, in Jesus Christ, who brings us everlasting life. Your altars to these unknown gods, will they hold more promise than you ever could have imagined? I love this story. I love the idea that the Athenians were operating at one level, but that there was a depth to the altar that they had built, to the worship they held, to the community they gathered, of which they were unaware. I love this story in part because it resonates with my own life experience. I have written words that I look back on years later and can see that I was saying something more than I knew I was saying at the time. For instance, in 2004, I wrote a letter of resignation from a position I held in a Catholic parish. After the letter was shared with others, people came to me and said, I cannot believe you're leaving the Catholic Church. I told them they were wrong. I most certainly was not leaving the Catholic Church. I was just leaving my position. The letter was about my job, only that. And here I am, an Episcopal priest. <laughs> when I look back to that letter, I can now see what others saw then. I was saying more than I was cognitively aware of in the moment. There's a strong tie between the Athenian altar, my resignation letter, 
and our Independence Day readings from the Revised Common Lectionary. For the American story holds more promise than its framers or crafters or protectors were initially aware of or could have ever imagined. In the 18th century, Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But his vision only included land-owning white men like him. In the 19th century, Lincoln stated in the Emancipation Proclamation, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves are and henceforward shall be free, and that the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authorities thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of said persons. But 157 years later, our streets fill with protesters still demanding this freedom from systemic oppression and demanding that authorities recognize and maintain that freedom. In the 20th century, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 declared, among other things, that it would provide injunctive relief against discrimination in public accommodations and prevent discrimination in federally assisted programs. It only imagined protecting the rights of African Americans, not women, the differently abled, not the LGBT community. Across the centuries, the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation, the Civil Rights Act, hold a promise in them, a depth that the original drafters did not fully see or understand. There are principles and ideals in them of equality, life, and liberty, which have only been realized over time. And we have yet to fully explore and realize, to fully live into the depth of those liberties. Our job as Americans who are followers of the Jesus movement is to ask ourselves, how do we help America live into this depth? Presiding Bishop Michael Curry and Dean Kelly Brown Douglas of Union Theological Seminary touched on this question in a podcast conversation. Curry said, as followers of Jesus' way of love, we bear witness to that reign of God in our kingdom, in our time, not by entering into the political fray, not in a partisan way, but from a moral posture, from a position of values, and a lifting up of those values in the public sphere. There at the core of our faith, and at some levels, Curry says, they are at the core of the ideals of this nation. Even when it, hypocritically, didn't obey the ideals it claimed to profess. 
our job is to witness to those ideals. That may look like feeding the hungry or working to create humane policy. It may mean radical protest. There are many gifts, but the same spirit who gives them all. But whatever we choose, it comes out of a genuinely loving center. Today's reading from Deuteronomy creates a picture of bringing a genuinely loving center into the public American sphere. Deuteronomy says that it looks like enacting justice for the widow and orphan. Widow and orphan is just Hebrew scripture speak for the vulnerable and those on the margins. The loving center in the public sphere looks like loving the immigrant, giving them food and clothing. Other Bible translations interpret the word immigrant as sojourner or stranger. What a broad range of potential meaning. A stranger may briefly pass by on a street. A sojourner travels but just stays for a while. But an immigrant, well, an immigrant moves in and is here to stay. During Wednesday morning's lectionary study, we were thinking through the distinction of these words, stranger, sojourner, immigrant. And one participant mused, I'm thinking of the couple who stood out front of their Portland Place mansion. What if they had offered the stranger, the protesters, water instead of gun barrels? I wonder how things might be different this week, different now. What a powerful image she offered of welcoming the stranger. Like Deuteronomy, our gospel drives home the same message of hospitality, but it takes us even deeper. Deuteronomy asks us to extend food and clothing to the stranger, to those we don't know. But Jesus asks us to extend love to those that we consider an enemy. And to be complete, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone. The love Jesus speaks of is agape love. Agape isn't born out of emotions, familiarity, or attraction, but from the will and as a choice. Agape requires commitment and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. This is the love our gospel calls us to bring into the public sphere. Where do you live agape love in the public sphere? Do the memes you post on social media, the emails you forward on demonstrate agape, strength, radical commitment, or do they exemplify loving your ideological neighbor and hating your ideological enemy? 
from conversations with family to encounters with the stranger in the grocery store? Do you listen and learn the person's underlying concern? The kind of listening that doesn't preclude speaking up for and standing with the marginalized, but resists shutting down and slapping one-size-fits-all labels on another person? As Dr. Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. We cannot bring darkness, animosity, and hatred into the public sphere and expect it to transform that sphere into light and love. Caring for the widow, orphan, stranger, sojourner, immigrant, and loving everyone, even our enemy. These are the values that today's scripture asks us to bring into the public American sphere. Through these practices, we will help America live into its fullness and into the depth of its principles and ideals. Amen.